Are you ready to take the lead in the dance of life? Fall in love with who you are right now and find uninhibited joy every day? Then it's time for you to flaunt your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. Join radio host Laura Cheadle and learn how the five steps of flaunt can help you quit seeking approval, proving your worth, and release you from the judgment of others. Express all that you are, discover your naked self-worth, and finally, enjoy the life you've worked so hard to create. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Build your dreams and live your sparkle. If you're anything like so many people right now with the whole COVID quarantine and racial tensions and going back to school stress and everything that's going on in the world, if you're anything like most people, you might not be feeling very sparkly right now or very capable of building your dreams. In fact, you might actually be feeling pretty anxious, um, maybe even depressed, or you may vacillate between feelings of, yes, I've got this totally together and I can manage it, and no, I'm done. Uh, it's too much to bear. And what I want you to know, first and foremost, before we go any further, that whatever it is you're feeling, it's perfectly normal. We've all been there too. and no matter how bad or hopeless it seems, you will be able to get through it. And today's guest is an amazing woman, and she too has been through some pretty intense depression and has come out the other side. And she is going to be able to not only give you some hope and some sparkle, but she's also going to give you some practical tools that will help you move through whatever state it is that you are in. Or if you're doing okay, if you've got friends or family or coworkers who, who are going through this, this will also give you some understanding and will help you bridge that gap and find some communication with them. So in August of 2015, Tracy Maxfield, after enduring years of intense workplace stress and bullying and harassment, she was a hardworking, highly skilled, caring and compassionate nurse. Even though she seemed like she had it all together, she hurtled head first into an abyss of darkness, despair, pain and sorrow that she lovingly calls the rabbit hole. Now, being no stranger to depression, having made its acquaintance many times throughout the years, even though she knew what she was in for, nothing could have prepared her for what was about to happen to her, her life, her soul, and her very being. Her recent book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, My Journey Through Depression, is a brutally honest, raw, and vivid description of what it is like and what life was like as a person experiencing acute depressive episodes. Through, through a series of blog posts, journal entries, and a letter to herself, she shares the excruciating emotional and physical pain that she endured, the feelings of hopelessness that were never-ending, the worthlessness and sadness that left her literally inert and unable to function, and her ongoing battle against DBS, death by suicide. Every single day, she had literally to make a choice to fight the battle to live or to give up and die. And I am so grateful that she chose to live because even though this was the most difficult and challenging journey she could have faced, she escaped that rabbit hole. And so can you. So with so much gratitude and awe, welcome to the show, Tracy. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much. It's actually a pleasure to meet with you and to talk about my journey. Yes. Let's, let's talk some more about your journey because especially now, there is so much pain in the world. I mean, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. And, you know, I, I'm a really positive person. And last Thursday, 
I just cried for 20 minutes because I don't know why, but I, I just, there was just so much going on. And, and although I know that's normal and I know so many of us are feeling it, it's really difficult. What, what words of wisdom do you have for people like me, like our listeners, who know that it's okay but are really struggling and just can't seem to pull out? Yes, it is. It's, it's a very, very tough time. Very tough time. And in fact, um, just from all the research studies that have just come out, they're already warning everyone globally that we're going to have a different kind of pandemic and that's going to be of mental illness of stress related illnesses as people even though at some point we will return to a new normal it's going to take time for them to even get their heads around it because so much has happened right there's anxiety there's depression so many are going to end up with ptsd we also have grief for all those that have lost someone and actually weren't able to go to the bedside and say goodbye. And so we're dealing with a kind of a catastrophe, a traumatic event that we haven't seen since like World War II, Korea, Vietnam. And even then, we were still kind of distanced from it because it didn't actually arrive on our doorstep. Good point. And Right, and, and this event has actually come up and it's not only sat itself on our doorstep, but it's prevented so many people from actually leaving their home. And so you've suddenly become prisoner of a war that you know nothing about. And I must be honest, um, even with me, I mean, I have a genetic form of depression, so I know that I will continue to have periods. And... I go through stages where I wake up in the morning and think, oh my God, because it's the, it's the uncertainty. Yes. We, we, we love to be in control. We love to have enough information so we can make informed decisions about our life. But sadly, what's happened is that we have so much misinformation and conspiracy theories spun into it that people are not sure what to believe who to believe, what to do. And with that comes anger. Um, there's anxiety, there's pain, there's fear, there's sorrow. There's, I just want to close the door and leave me alone. And I hope I wake up in the morning and everything's fine. And we get up in the morning and it's not fine. And so I think the words of wisdom, um, not even wisdom, but just support that I can offer is, A, you are not alone. You are really not alone because guess what? This is going on globally. Like this is affecting every single person in every country in the world. And the second thing is that you will get through it. We have no choice. We have to get through this. We cannot have an economy, financial markets that are decimated. Life has to go on and people are trying to find that new normal. And so I think the best thing is to stay strong is, is a very strange word. Um, it's yeah. more take each day as it comes. Um, I realized that when I was in the rabbit hole, don't hope for in a month, in a week, in six months, everything will be okay. Just wake up and say, okay, so... I've got today. Let's try and make today the best that it can be given the tools that I have. And I think that enables you to get a little bit more strength. Journaling is great because journaling is private. Mm. Until like me, you decide to share it with the world. Um, <laughs> Which I'm so glad you did, by the way. Uh, yeah. But journaling enables you to put in your deepest darkest fears your thoughts your hopes for the future what would you like to do throw it all down it's your choice if you then share it with someone but that's your safe haven because you can swear you can curse you can put anything you like there and that's kind of cathartic so put those thoughts down um, if you have a trusted friend 
a neighbor, a family member, someone that you can trust in your circle. And if you can't telephone call them and you can't see them in person, then Zoom call, Skype. Because face-to-face is actually much better than talking to a blank screen with a voice because then at least you'll see some of the emotions. True. Have that call and open your heart up because I bet you anything, whoever you're talking to is going to understand what you're going through because they're going through it too. It's just, we all deal with it differently. And many of us, um, as we can see what's going on in the world and what social media shares, um, is that lots of people are dealing with anger and frustration at this. And at the core of any behavior is what we say is an unmet need. And usually it's fear. It's that fear of, uncertainty it's that fear of are we going to have a civil war um what happens if there's no more schools yeah you can't i and i know that it's concerns which are valid but if you focus all your energy every day on something that may happen then it's it's not going to help you propel forward because what do you do if the catastrophe you think will happen doesn't happen? Right. What do you do then? And um, this is our reality, right? We're born and we die. No way around it, people. No. We, We try everything we can to not look older, to not age, to live forever. But, Life can be snuffed out in a heartbeat. It literally can. And it doesn't even have to be because of COVID. No, 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 no. This is the thing. You can fall downstairs and break your neck. Yes. Uh, You know, you can have an allergic reaction. You can go outside and trip and break a hip and then end up in hospital and you may get pneumonia. So there's so many other things that can still take away that your life or the part of that may debilitate you. So the life you had is, is going to be now very, very different. So embrace each day. There's no point worrying about what's going to happen in the elections in November, because right now you've got to deal with what's happening today and tomorrow. And at least for not only for the sake of your own mental health, but for the sake of maybe other people that look up to you as a role model or mm-hmm. a friend or a good neighbor or a mom or a dad or an aunt, right? We all have roles in life. Yes. And even though we believe when we have a mental illness that no one loves us and no one cares about us, right? And the world will be better off without us. The reality is that's so not true. That's, that's a story. And it's a horror story. <laughs> that's a story <laughs> that, we, right, that we tell ourselves because the sad thing is our brain has become so conditioned to deal with with horrible negativity, that when it comes to um, enemies, we are our own worst enemy. What I used to tell myself in my head, and I used to journal it, and I look back now, and I'm like, gosh, girl, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is not true. Uh But this is what we do. And even if you're saying, you know, I'm actually handling this COVID okay, and I'm able to go through each day, and I'm really supporting other people. We are a society where if somebody says to you eight good things in one day, whether or not it's about your ability, something you said, did generosity of spirit, your appearance, if people give you eight compliments that day and then somebody comes along and says, I hate you, you're fat, you're dumb, you don't know what you're talking about. We go home and we cry and we perseverate on that one bad thing. Yes. And we forget the eight good things that somebody said. So true. Right? And we allow words to damage us. We allow words to, I call them acid on the brain, that they become little tattoos where 
the eight wonderful things that should counter that are like dust. Right. And we just sit there. She hates me. She hates me. I can't believe she said that. And really, what about the eight people that said, thank you for being in my life? And so we have to start switching our mindset to being not only kinder to one another, but let's start with being kind to ourselves. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And when you were talking about journaling and then reading back on your journal, for me, that is something that I find so useful too, because in the moment, I'll be venting this stuff and it feels so rational and it feels so right on that I'm a loser and that everything that I've done is wrong and that, that I caused this and it's my fault. And oftentimes, as short as 24 hours later, I will reread that and I'll think, well, <laughs> that's almost comical that I wrote that and that I believe that in the moment because I don't even believe that now. But just getting it outside of myself and onto paper, then I can be more rational and discern. Is this true or is this not true? No, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and I think the good thing is, is with journaling, and, and you may not decide to journal, you may want to express it in song or poetry or write an essay or... I dance it out. Right? Art or whatever you need to do to express it. Um, what I find is if you have, when you have, not even if you have a good day, I believe that we can we choose how we're going to act. So we can choose to respond or we can choose to react. And react is awesome if you're in a life or death situation, right? That fight, flight, fight. Um, but if we constantly react to things instead of taking a step back and thinking about it and then responding, what happens is it just triggers that, that fear, fight, flight, fight in the brain. And we kind of go into hyperdrive. And so then you're always snapping at people and nasty. And you're like, I don't know what's wrong. But it, it becomes a pattern of your behavior. And so it's a case of choosing how you're going to respond. Am I going to allow this person that I don't even know that just said the most horrible things to me to take, I call it taking away your power. Yes. Taking away your power, your spirit Am I allowing that person to do that? Or am I going to just look at her and think to myself, wow, you're a mean person. You must be going through a lot of pain in your life to want to be that nasty to another person and feel a little bit of compassion and just walk away from it. Mm -hmm. Because taking the high road is always the better route because it shows that you've got integrity and you've got respect for yourself. Yes, absolutely. And, and one I, of my, yeah, so one of my favorite phrases around that is that hurt people hurt people and hurt people can hurt me, but then it is my job. I feel to either accept it and then to go out and strike at other people and to keep that negative cycle rolling or to have that cognitive understanding like you said, something is really bad in your life. You're really grouchy and I have compassion for you and I have understanding for you because been there, done that. And the pain stops here. I'm not absorbing it and I'm not passing it on and have that compassion. And I think that's true. And I think we've become a society where we seem to forget that, um, people are going through horrible things. Even before COVID came along, people are dealing with domestic violence, yes. child abuse. Now we've got like child human trafficking is becoming so bad, it's scary. We have drugs, we have gangs, we have crime. Like There's so much going on. We have cancer, we have terminal illness. And so you don't know what's going on in that person's world. And I sometimes have to correct myself. One of the things I usually do is if I'm in like the checkout at the mall, at one of the stores and somebody pushes past me or someone cuts in line or they're just really rude mm -hmm. to the cashier and I have to stop myself and think, what if this woman has just received diagnosis that she has cancer? 
Right. Or someone she knows, like a child has just been diagnosed with something or has been in an accident. What if something really horrible has just happened to this person and they're just going through the motions because they've got to get groceries and then they need to go home. And I remember how I was when I was going out with my acute depression and you feel like you're, you're, in your body, but you're not present. It's a very strange feeling. I liken it to walking down the airplane when you've gone to the washroom and you're kind of holding onto seats because there's just a little bit of turbulence. Yes. And it feels like you're not present. You're aware that everything's going on. You're being that socially appropriate. Hi, I'm fine, smile. Um, but we are so, so quick to judge that person. And sometimes take a step back and think, okay, I don't really know the whole story here. And if you're that concerned, then you reach out and you say, you seem very, oh, you seem very angry and stressed. I'm, I'm really, is there, you know, is there anything you need? Can I help you with someone, something? Can I help you with your bags or something? If they snap back at you, then you've done your due diligence. Yes. If they suddenly open up and start crying and say, I've just had the most horrible news, then you've done something good that day because you've been that angel that's been there for that person at that moment in time. So I think we always need to make a step back and stop being the first ones to blame and point the finger and make a judgment because you don't know what's going on behind closed doors. No, no, you, you don't. don't. You don't. And you were saying earlier with you that you've got this predisposition that you have got I don't want to say it, it seems like there's depression there's situational depression yes, and then is. there's real depression yes. and and I don't want to judge between the two because they're both very real but with everything that's going on in the world I feel like most people are struggling with depression now and there are also people who are predisposed to it and that makes it even worse. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the difference between those two. Do they manifest the same or is it a completely different animal? So I think what a lot of people are now going through is what we would call a reactive depression. And that a reactive depression, actually, uh, many, many people have it throughout their lifetime it's that oh my dog my beloved dog just died or oh, my husband passed away with you don't necessarily always need medications but with some counseling with some therapy and some lifestyle strategies you can usually get through that and i think with this covid we are seeing such a in such an upsurge of depression and anxiety and it's really great because so many mental health associations are now doing online counseling they're producing tools and booklets and even doing online support groups where you can go there and they give you strategies of how you can manage how can you get through today and this week if you already have a pre-existing depression the covid has now made it 10 times worse yes because if you were in that healing process where you were going to see a counselor and maybe you were making the decision that i would go out every day what happens when they suddenly turn around and say well actually no you're not allowed to you're on lockdown and so i think what we have seen is a huge increase and when i say huge I don't mean thousands, but in California, they said that since the pandemic has begun, they have seen such an increase in suicides, death, suicide attempts, and actually death by suicide. And most of them had either a pre-existing mental condition, and what the COVID did was it kind of give them that finality if that makes sense mm -hmm. if they were already caught up in the life is hopeless i'm never going to make anything of myself this is not going well and they didn't have that strong support network now you're in isolation that fear compounds everything and you're so overwhelmed that you're thinking oh my god i can't do this now there is no world i can't even go out 
and so many people, it's, I always say, suicide is never the coward's way out. Suicide is actually the bravest decision you're ever going to make because you're choosing now to say goodbye to the world. And it's not something that you, you do, you know, oh, well, I'm done, you know? Right. In, in my book, I actually dedicate an entire chapter where I'm in negotiation with, should I do it? Okay, what is it going to look like? Which, what should I, what method? Because you, you think long and hard about it and it gets to the point where it's so overwhelming. So I, I can only imagine for these people. Yes. Just that thought of, well, I can't go to therapy now. I, I, so every, everything I've accomplished is now going to be lost and there's no end in sight. And I think this is the problem with COVID. They're not telling us that by December 31st, we're going to be okay. Right. They're not. They're kind of telling us, you know what? Be prepared. This is going to be for another year. Mm-hmm. And to some people that that is so completely overwhelming and exhausting that you're like, I don't want to be in that world. And this is what we're seeing. And I think now more than ever, I go back to the kindness and support. Um, September is going to be Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Yes. And September 10th is World Mental Health Day. And already everything is um, thinking of Black Lives Matter and COVID-19. And the theme is, you are not alone. We're in this together. And I think this is what's so important for people. You need to start reaching out to others if you know they're on their own or they're vulnerable. And we need to be able to start supporting people and being available. It doesn't mean that you have to go and harass them every single day, right? right? But it's a text or an email or a phone call or a Zoom call saying, hey, how are you doing? How's things? Um, Okay, so most of us now are not necessarily on lockdown, but we still have to maintain social distance. That's fine. So Mm -hmm. you go over there and and you sit two meters apart in the yard. Right. Or on the driveway. And you take over coffee and cakes or something. And you have a conversation. I think the struggle is, is that, COVID took away our social connection. Yes. As much as we all say, we want to be private and it's my business and you need to leave me alone. All of a sudden it was like, oh my goodness, I'm not, I don't have the opportunity to sit down and talk and laugh, do silly things. I don't have the opportunity to share my fears. And also it's the touch. It's if the people are alone, all of a sudden it's, wow, I used to love going and seeing my mother in the nursing home and having a hug from her mm-hmm. that's been taken away and yeah. so I think with this new norm we have to start social connection in a different way but having those get-togethers where you're six feet apart even in a park it can be a cool view, and you arrange the chairs and you can sit there and, you know, have goodies and just talk and share memories. It, it gives you that boost. It gives you that lift. Yes. And we have, to, we have to start trying to do that. Again. Because that will give us the, the strength, the, the confidence to keep going on. I think, remember, um, we won't know it, but there are still veterans around who lived through World War II. You know, Absolutely. They made it. They yeah. did it. And it, they came together as community. We can do it in a slightly different variation because we're not able to go and hug and huddle together and talk. But six, you know, six feet apart, two meters, you can still connect with people and have a laugh and have a joke and see... Just plant yourself outside on the porch and watch the world go by and just have a conversation from the sidewalk. It will lift your spirit. Yes. It's interesting because so much of what you're saying is right on. And a lot of the problem is like the mental perception that suddenly we have no control. 
you know, we don't know when COVID is going to end. We didn't know when the wars were going to end. We don't know when we're going to die or get a diagnosis or our dog will get run over by a car. We don't know anything anyway. It's just been this illusion of control. And now all of a sudden we have this thing that we're all aware of. And then we all go, I have no control. And I did before, but in reality, we never did before. We don't know. So going back to your one original comment of just go through the day. That's all you can do is get through the day. And yeah, and and that's that's more doable. There's certain days that are going to be harder to get through. And there are certain days that are going to be easier to get through. But I think that's kind of the number one takeaway. Just you do you for one day. Whatever you need for that one day, do it. Absolutely. And if you talk to anyone who has been given a diagnosis and maybe they've been told they have one year left to live or they have six months left to live and they say, then I'm going to embrace each day Mm -hmm. and it's embrace each day. It's the little things. So, you know, you bake cookies, you leave them at your neighbors or you go for a walk and you literally smell the flowers. Right. Um, and you listen to children playing and you see dogs and, you know, and I mean, pets, they, they, pretend, they provide entertainment on their own. Yeah. But it's just doing those things of what makes you, what gives you joy and what makes you feel good in that moment. And then the next day. It could be it totally different. Not, it may <laughs> not be such a good day, but give yourself permission to say, okay, you know what? Today I... It's okay not to be okay all the time, I call it. Yes. And I think when you journal and you, you write down what made that day good and how you felt strong and how you dealt with maybe somebody saying a, an abrupt comment, when you have a bad day and you look back on that, you can say to yourself, ah, but I, I know I can have those days. Right. And I think this is what is always important to write down the good days as well. Because you, what, when I did that, I could look back and say, Okay, but you you had that good day, so you know it's possible. Right. I like that. You do know it's possible. We are going to take a quick break for a sponsor, and then when we are going to come back, I want to walk you through those five steps of flaunt with that theme in mind. What is possible? And I would like you to relate it to your journey in the rabbit hole and escaping it how you found the strength and the skills and the steps to escape that rabbit hole. So we will be right back with Tracy Maxfield. You're a smart woman who has achieved a lot, but are you happy? Do you sparkle with joy and enthusiasm or are you living life on autoplay? You're not alone. Many successful women reach a point where they realize that they're not enjoying themselves, their jobs, or their families in the way that they thought they would. No matter what's blocking your sparkle, you can live full out and enjoy life again right now. Not after you lose 15 pounds, find love, or the kids leave home. Go to www.nakedselfworth.com and download the top 20 things that block your sparkle and what to do about them so you can stop seeking to please, proving your worth, and settling for less, and start living life on your own terms with enthusiasm, joy, and plenty of sparkle. And we are back with Tracy Maxfield, and we're talking about depression today. Tracy is the author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, My Journey Through Depression. And she has been through, she's been through some really rough stuff. And not only has she escaped it, but she is using her journey for the good of everyone. She is being vulnerable and raw, and she is sharing her journal. (laughs) She's sharing her most private thoughts, in part to show you that, A, you're not alone. B, you're not crazy. We all have thoughts like that. C, you're not your thoughts. And sometimes all you need to do is just embrace each day as it comes 
and make the best of it. So Tracy, FLAUNT is an acronym and it stands for find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. And those are the five steps that I always have used both for myself and for the people that I coach to help stabilize themselves, to help reconnect to their power, what I like to call their sparkle and their naked self-worth. And I know we all have kind of some different tools, but I was hoping you could start off by telling a little bit about when you were in the rabbit hole, when you were at your worst point, was it difficult to find your fetish? Finding your fetish is just finding something that brings you joy. When you were there, was it hard to find fun? Yes. Yes. And um, yes, because when you have a mental illness, but especially when you have a depression, it is so overwhelming and sad and it's mental and physical and you just feel like there's no hope and you literally drag yourself to get out of bed and get through the day because it's so easy just to throw yourself under the covers and say I'm not moving and I say in my book for the first two weeks that's fine but if you don't get out of bed after two weeks you, you've lost yourself yeah and it is, it is a battle because I also lived with constant suicide thoughts, suicide ideation, and even then proceeding with attempts. And suicide became so, such a part of my life that I personalized it and I actually gave it a name. And so I envisaged it was this guy all in black with this big hat who was in the corner of the room. And I called him DBS, death by suicide. And I think finally accepting that it was a part of my life enabled me to um, move forward and that I used to negotiate with him you know it was, uh -huh. it was like okay well not today maybe next week uh, yeah can you you know can I can I have this week and maybe I'll think about it next week and sometimes when you're in your really, really bad low moments, he was just up front and, you know, he was in my ear, just do it, just do it now, just get it over with, you'll find peace. And that's, that's the hardest part because you're trying to block out those voices. But I think finding my joy was when I started to express gratitude. Um, and that was a suggestion that my, my physician and my psychologist made, because initially I was in weekly psychology sessions, then it went every two weeks. Okay. And, I, and I would go in and I'd say, I just can't keep going. It, I, this is just, it feels like I'm wearing cement battle armor. It was just exhausting. And I was adhering to a very strict daily routine. I... A, for me to keep going, but also to try and distract me from these thoughts all the time. Right. And, and he said, you need to start thinking of looking at today, just being mindful for today. Do not think, am I going to be cured next week, next month, next year? Right. And he said, also, you need to start expressing gratitude. And I kind of laughed and I said, really, what have I got to be grateful for? And he looked at me and he said, do you have hot and cold running water? Do you have food on the table? And I said, yes. And he goes, then you should be grateful for that because there are millions of people in the world that don't have that luxury. Wow. And thought, okay. And he said, so when you journal every night, I want you to go home and I want you to write down a gratitude thought for each day. And so I went home and after my journaling, I wrote down like, I'm grateful that I have a vehicle and food and hot and cold running water, blah, blah, blah. Right. And it became, and, but I think after the first few days, it just became like a routine where I would write them down, but there was no thought behind it. Yeah. And after two weeks, I thought, I don't know how to do this. I am never going to be able to do this. I'm never going to move forward. And I, I walked out of my home and I relate this story all the time. Uh, the snow had started to melt 
and the sun was shining and I looked down at the melting snow and there was a purple crocus that had just burst through the snow. And I remember just looking at the vividness of the color, you know, this really rich purple. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful color. And then I thought, look at it against the backdrop of the, of the white snow. And then I could feel the sun on my face. And I suddenly felt my body relaxing. And I was just looking and I just felt very peaceful at that moment. And thoughts were going through my head of, oh my goodness, birth, new birth, um, spring. spring. In the harshness of winter with the snow, this beautiful crocus still managed to come through and it just looks magnificent. And all of a sudden I had that light bulb moment of, oh, gratitude. <laughs> and I was seeing my psychologist later that day and I went in to see him and he goes, how's it been going? And I said, I've struggled for two weeks about gratitude. I just couldn't figure it out, but I think maybe I've got it now. And I told him the story. And he literally jumped out of his chair and he went, yes, you've got it. <laughs> Gratitude. He said, it's those simple things that you see that give you pleasure. Yes. That make you smile or make you laugh. And he said, you've got to move past the, will I be okay tomorrow? Will I feel better tomorrow? Just embrace today. And so that began, I think... The stage where I moved into a more hopeful stage of healing, because when I then purposefully had to express gratitude every day, I could see all the little things. So it was something as simple as going into Starbucks, which mm -hmm. I would go every single day to do a crossword puzzle because I needed to be out, out of the house. People, right? Yes. And I walked in one day and they went, hey, Tracy, so your usual. And it was Americano, Americano Misto. And I thought, oh, my God, they know me. You know, right. It was those, right. It was those little things and they knew my drink. And it just gave me pleasure because it made you realize, you know what? You are important. You are part of this world. And they've acknowledged you. It, it validated your existence. Yes. And, and I think from that point on, um, I was able to see so much going out in the world that even though it was that oh, battle armor on, here we go again. Mm -hmm. It was still whispering in my ear. Of course. Know, right, you should do this. But it was going and seeing beautiful flowers or a tree or a, in the book I, I mentioned here I am riding my bike and I'm crying and I've got no snot all over my face. <laughs> and there's a meadow and in it, there were three horses, three beautiful horses. And they were just running around and jumping and frolicking and neighing. And it was amazing to see because they were just having so much fun. And I actually pulled my bike over and just stood watching them for about 10 minutes. And then, and I kind of cleaned off my face and I carried on the ride. And I thought, okay, that's, this is gratitude. I've got it. Right. right. And, and I think if that's what helped me move me to that place where healing began, where even in the midst of darkness, I could see that life went on. And in that life, there were so many beautiful things yes. that, that gave me joy, which gave me peace which made me glad that I had that opportunity at that moment to see it. Absolutely. And, and I think that was yeah, it shifts everything. Gratitude yeah. shifts. And every person I've ever spoken to that have, has been through a similar journey to mine mm -hmm. and come out the other end, they all say that it was that mindfulness, being present in the moment and just taking that day and expressing gratitude for the little things that, enable them to move forward with a, like a new purpose. It, it gives you, yes. right? Because you can see that even in darkness, there's, there's beauty. Yes. And even though you're going through what you think is your own hell, you're still able to witness things that, that bring you joy. And Absolutely. That, Absolutely. Was, that, was, that was a pivotal moment for me. 
And, and like that, being able to find your fetish, find the joy, find the gratitude, find all of that. Could it actually move you to laughter or did laughter come? Okay, good, good. So, so with gratitude came laughter because, you know, you would see, I would see, well, like the horses make me laugh. You know, yeah. I mean, these, these are huge. <laughs> it's like they're running around like little puppies. Um, and it was seeing children, you know, mm-hmm. children are just so innocent and comical. And then it was like a puppy that like animals are always drawn to me. And so it was out of nowhere. No. I, was, I was standing outside my front door and this puppy came up and was like looking at me, like stroke me, play with me. And you, that is just so innocent. And it just, you know, it just made me laugh. And so with that, I think with gratitude, it opens yourself up that you can see other little, I call them gifts. Yeah. That are, that are out there, but sometimes we walk around with blind, with blinkers on and we don't see them. We don't. Exactly. And so and also, to laughter. Yes. I love that. And then you talked about, you know, DBS, this character in the yeah. corner. And that you had to accept, that's that, I call it the golden center of flaunt, because you have to accept unconditionally that that voice is going on in your head. And sometimes the more effort we give knocking it down, the bigger that voice becomes. And there's that tension between acknowledging something is there and not giving it undue weight. Um, is, is he there now? Where is he in your life? How is accepting that voice changed you and enabled you to balance? So I think what, what the experience in the rabbit hole taught me is that, A, I'm stronger than I realize. Yes. <laughs> and also that I came very close to allowing him to win, but I didn't. And so even though I have those moments where uh, I, I always say, he's there. He's like that aunt that you never want to visit. Yes. And it's like, oh, no, she's back. <laughs> you know, for right. some reason, I called him a he. To me, it's a he. And he's a very dark, dark, um, imposing person. It's like he's sitting in the, in the corner. And he's in a rocking chair and it's just, he's, he's waiting. But sometimes he's receded so far back into the wall that I really, I can't even see him. And then other times I call him, sometimes he's a whisper, other times he's a roar. Mm-hmm. I would say most of the time it's a whisper. Yes. And I then have to make that decision how I'm going to respond. Because if I then allow myself to get caught up in it and allow the negative talk in the brain, very soon his voice becomes the roar. Yes. And then I've got the whole battle again and it's exhausting. Yes. I, I, I call it, uh, you know, I'm on parole from the rabbit hole and sometimes I've taken my quilt and I've gone back down for a little, you know, for a weekend. Oh, yes. And even though I know I'm going to be okay, it's just exhausting. And so I try not to let that happen because I know how exhausting it is just to fight to get back out. And so that's when, I mean, I still journal, but that's when I then have to really say, you know, why has he come back? What has just happened in your life that all of a sudden he's there (laughs) and he's very present. And it's that, it's that inner dialogue that you have with yourself. Right. And it always brings out, those feelings of insecurities and not worthy oh and, of course yeah and fears and it's i think when you have a mental illness a mental disorder you ha- when you have in a dialogue with yourself which is very 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 often um, yes. you've got to stay stop mm-hmm. take a breath this is not true 
Yes. And I liked that you gave him an identity outside of yourself because we all have so many pieces of our brain. We have the insecure places. We have the, you know, very confident places. We all have those pieces. And I like when he, that he is outside of you and that he's a different identity because as you were talking, it made me think about all of these arguments on social media that people get into trying to convince somebody to vote for somebody or not to vote for somebody. And the bottom line is you never win. And if you engage, you lose. So we see those posts come across our feed. We see it all. And, you know, I will fight with myself sometimes as I'm getting itchy fingers that I want to fire something off to somebody. And it's like, I know they are not going to say, oh, my goodness, Laura, you changed my perspective. I totally see that now. I know I'm never going to win. And I know the more I argue, the louder that argument's going to get. So. I love, but it's true. It it is. is. And I love that about, you know, this with you. And that leads right into the next step of flaunt, which is navigate, navigate the negative that, like you said, sometimes you take your quilt and you go into that hole and then it's hard to get back up. So sometimes it's easier not to go in there in the first place, but it's this navigation because it's okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. But you sometimes don't want to let yourself not to be okay because then, you know, you start sliding and you start going down and it's that tension. It, it is. It is. And, you know, when people are facing that, and even when I do, then that's when I become more purposeful in that I'll make a decision. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to start cleaning. I'm going to start organizing. I'm going to file my papers. You know, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go get groceries. The last time it happened, I could feel myself. And even though I was expressing gratitude, looking around, going, oh my goodness, but look how beautiful it is and how blessed you are. And he was getting louder and louder. And I thought, okay, I'm done. And I grabbed my purse and I just went over to my girlfriend's. Yes. And I played with the dog. And as I said, anything to do with pets, little children will Im immediately bring you down. And then we just, we didn't even talk about it. We were talking about other th things, but it was that opportunity to walk away and embrace the nice things. And then when I came back home, I was in a better place. And yeah. it, it is that you have to do something else, you know, go and bake something or you know, go and do laundry, ironing, something to take you away from that because that effort is so much better than the effort that you're, you're going to need to bring you back out of the hole. Yes, yes. And there's also a tension between, you know, sometimes people say you can't spiritually bypass something and you can't. You have to do the work. You have to clean out your closet. You have to, you know, dig out those skeletons, but you also can't tank yourself. And I think some of that sometimes is almost just trial and error. You know, you know that pets and kids will help you. And I think sometimes we just have to try. Does working out help? Yes, it works. And it works for me. Yes. It might not work for somebody else or baking something might not work, but let's try it and see if it does. And I, it's, it's have, we have to be okay with some of that failure that it didn't work. Well, let me try something else. Oh, gosh, yes, yes. And I think this is, this is the other issue that we have in society, right? Um, failure is not an option. Um, I hate to tell you this, but, you know, <laughs> <It's a big> <laughs> most of the things in the world have been accomplished because they did not succeed the first time or the 10th time or the 100th time. I don't, I don't like the word, I don't like that term, failure is not an option. I think we need to reframe it and say, it's like, if you don't succeed, try, try again. It's yeah. perseverance because we have now instilled this in our kids where you cannot fail. You cannot lose. You must come out at the top. Kids have so much pressure on them that I never had as a child. And I'm sure, I mean, you're much younger yeah. than me. You didn't have. We cannot enforce these expectations on kids because when you get out into life, guess not what? Yeah. You will fail. And it's not failure. 
I, I like to say, okay, so it didn't work out this time, or you didn't succeed, or you didn't achieve what you set out to do. That doesn't mean it's off the table. No. Look at it again, right? Look at it again and say, okay, so what, what did I do? How can I now change that to see if I can now attain my goal? And it's the same as, you know, a kid. Oh my God, I didn't get the A in the exam that I wanted. I only got a C. Instead of berating them, you're not studying hard enough, sit down and say, okay, so why do you think that happened? And when they start being very open and honest with themselves, you may see that, well, I was up all night playing video games and I didn't get enough sleep and I was so tired, I couldn't concentrate. Okay, so next time, maybe we can do a different schedule as you prepare for your exams. Right. You know, I I didn't win the race. Why? You know, well, my leg's been really bothering me, but I didn't want to tell anyone. And when I was running, the pain was bad. Or, you know, well, I've missed five workouts. There's always a reason why something doesn't happen, but it doesn't mean that it's the end of the line and you're a failure in life and you'll never succeed. Because once you start telling kids failure, right? how do you expect them to then go on if you're instill it in their brain failure is not an option right because then you quit trying right i I hate to tell you people but fail failure is part of life yes a big part of life it is life and you cannot have that mindset yes have the mindset of well it didn't work out this time but it's still important to me so i'm going to try again a different way Mm -hmm. that's where we teach kids to start thinking for themselves and developing strategies. And also it, it helps them emotionally to understand that sometimes when you don't succeed, it does not mean that everyone hates you, that you're isolated and alone and you, you know, for want of a better word, you're stupid or pathetic. You don't want to fill their heads with that because that's what precipitates the, the likelihood of them becoming a bully or developing right. a mental illness because right. their and self-worth is down the tubes. Right. And whether it's a mental illness, a pre-existing condition or reactive de- um, depression, sure. they, yeah, then they will know like, eh, it's okay. I can figure it out. And that leads right into that last T of flaunt, which is trust in your truth. When we all know our truth and trust in our truth, I trust that I did my best job or that I didn't do my best job. I can trust that I feel this way today and I might not feel that way tomorrow. I can trust that I have no control and I have me. When we trust in our truth, it really shifts everything around and it gives us our power back. And I wanted to wrap up today's interview by asking, what is your truth? Who is Tracy? On a soul level, who are you inside that no matter how high or low or successful or failure you are, who are you? What is your most inner truth? My most inner truth is that I am a very genuine, trustworthy, kind person that in the midst of everything that goes on, I still want to and try to help others. That's inherently who I am. I was a nurse for like 36 years. But also it's trusting in, given the tools and the knowledge I have at that time, the decision I made was the best decision I could make, given everything that I had, and not to beat myself up. And that is a lot of self-talk that you have to have to condition your brain not to fall down that negative path. But, and also, it's vulnerability. I think the more we we show our vulnerability and our openness and our willingness to acknowledge I made mistakes. I'm not perfect, but I am now looking to ensure that I don't repeat that mistake. I believe every single thing in life, good or bad, is a learning opportunity. Yes. And we then choose how we respond to that. And 
it will give us life lessons, which then we should take and help us become an even better person. Um, Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, I love that term because I still believe at 56, I'm in the process. Whoops. Sorry, that was my mic. That's okay. I'm in the process of becoming. We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always developing. And I stay true to myself. What you see is what you get. I am honest. I am, you know, I, I will not, I will tell it like it is, but I do it in a very nice way. Yes. Um, You know, and avoid conflict because conflict is exhausting. You have to choose your battles and there's no point running into a gunfight with a knife. No. Um, And so I think what the rabbit hole taught me was it got to the inner core of who, who essentially I am and that um, I am a much stronger person. I'm, I am a, I'm a nice person that, that can contribute so much more to the world. I think that's it. I think my mantra is I want to try and make a difference. I don't want to be on my deathbed and say, shoulda, coulda, woulda taken that. Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that? I want to be able to say I did it. And even though it may not have worked out as I'd hoped, I am so thankful for that opportunity. Absolutely. Listeners, if you would like to find out more about Tracy and her book, which I highly recommend you do, you can go to tracymaxfield.com and that's T-R-A-C-E-Y. Maxfield is M-A-X-F-I-E-L-D.com and you can learn more about her. And Tracy, where can they pick up a copy of your book? So any bookstore will order it for them, but it's at Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon. And so that's usually the best because I have the audio version, plus I have it as an ebook as well as a soft cover. Perfect. So listeners, I first hope you are feeling all right. And whether you were feeling all right or not, it is okay. But check Tracy out, pick up a copy of her book. It will absolutely help your mental state. No matter what or where you are at, embrace today. And as usual, always remember to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Overcome the need to please and find the uninhibited joy of being exactly who you are right now. Come find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more and get your free gift at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com.